Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. On those special fifth Sundays, we've started a tradition of answering questions submitted by the members of the congregation. The lesson you're about to hear, presented on November 30, 2008, answered the question, What does the Bible say about foul language? As Christians, we need to take care with our speech. That's what this lesson is all about. So get your Bible out and get ready to study what the Bible says about foul language. With the change in our assembly schedule, we kind of missed out on our second Sunday night question and answers that we were doing. So after some discussion, the elders have decided to place that, at least for the time being, on our fifth Sunday. It's one of the things we're going to be accomplishing on there, question, our questions and answers. So you can keep submitting questions if you want. We don't actually have that many uh, in submission right now, just one or two that we still need to deal with. And today we want to answer the question, what does the Bible say about foul language? As I get started, I've got a little bit of a confession to make. Uh, number one, I'm a little bit afraid to preach this lesson, and I'll tell you why, for, for two reasons. Number one, it's tough because it's really hard to be clear in a lesson like this without crossing over the bounds of propriety that I'm trying to preserve. But number two, I'm a little bit concerned and I have a little bit of fear because I realize that some of the things I'm going to share with you today I don't think are going to coincide with uh, perhaps the traditional approach that you've often heard. And I'm afraid that some folks are going to be a little bit upset about that. But I will share with you that I am absolutely, today, I'm absolutely 100% convinced that what I'm going to share with you is, in fact, the Bible truth about foul language and what we as Christians need to think about when we speak. This is going to be a very simple lesson. I just want to share with you some principles that the Bible gives us about language and then just a few comments about some ancillary issues that go along with that. Before we get into it, would you bow with me, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. You are the great God who loves us and cares for us. And we pray, Father, that you will be with us and strengthen us to surrender ourselves to you. We want to surrender our entire lives to you, not only our actions, but also our words. We pray that we'll be a people who speak as you would have us to speak, not just in the issues of speaking the truth about your doctrine, but also just in the way we conduct our lives, whether it be in action or conduct or speech, that we will be holy that we will be reverent, that we will be honorable in the sight of men as well as in your sight. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us not to speak with careless words, but to give thought to what we say so that we might glorify and honor you in everything that we do and say. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for loving us and forgiving us because we have said so many things that are wrong. We pray that you would take that away from us. We pray this through your Son, Jesus. Amen. I want to begin with this point, and that is what the Bible does not say. Back in the 1980s, comedian George Carlin became very famous with an extremely vulgar skit in which he talked about the eight magic words that are not allowed on television. I wish that it was that simple. I wish I could just take you to a Bible verse that says, here are the eight words that you're just not allowed to say, and then just be done with it. But the, the reality is the Bible never gives us a list of bad words. The Bible never, not even once, says, here are the words that are bad that you should not ever say. We're not going to be able to go to a verse to find that. Instead, we're going to have to take a look at some biblical principles. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't ever talk about corrupt speech. The Bible talks about using words badly. The Bible just never tells us, here are 
bad words. And we need to grasp that. Now, you've probably heard in lessons people go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 74, where it talks about Peter when he was denying Christ there at the trial. And it says that he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And some translations just say he began to curse and swear. And often you've heard people go to that and say, see, it's wrong to cuss. Well, there's a problem here. Number one, this passage isn't talking about cussing in the way that we talk about it today. When it says, and the ESV kind of demonstrates it, when it talks about him invoking a curse on himself, when that passage talks about Peter cursing, it wasn't saying that he was using cuss words. It was saying that he was invoking a curse. He was calling a curse then. Now, the ESV makes it reflexive back on himself, but it's possible that he was cursing the folks he was talking to. He was calling this curse down upon people, saying, I don't know the man. And uttering a curse on them if they kept accusing him of that. But then it also says that he was swearing. And this swearing is not like we talk about with swear words, as we use that phrase today. But rather it's the idea that he's taking an oath. He's calling on God's name to declare that God is his witness or, or whatever type of language he might use there, whatever type of phrase or ritualistic phrase he might use. He's taking an oath that he doesn't know the man. But even if you disagree with me about that, if you look at that and say, no, that's talking about cussing, what words did he say? You notice that it doesn't tell us which words he said? I mean, we can go to this passage, and even if it says that cussing is wrong, it doesn't tell us what words God considers cuss words. So we just are going to have to come to grips with that. We've got to be honest about this, that the Scripture absolutely does not give us a list of bad words. And the reason I think it's important for us to be honest about this is I think that if we're dishonest and if we just keep painting with too broad of a brush, People who think through this are going to see this, and then they're just going to discount anything that we have to say about language because they think we're dishonest. We've got to be honest. The Bible never once gives us a list. In fact, there is not one single verse in all the Bible that declares to us that even one single word is inherently bad. There is not anything in the Bible that ever says anything about it. You can think of the worst possible word you can think of, and the Bible does not say that that word is bad just because that word is bad. It just doesn't say that. We need to understand that if we're passing on to our children, and I tell my children, hey, that's a bad word, don't say it. If we're passing that along, we're not doing that because the Bible said that's a bad word. We're doing that either, one, because we've considered the principles of Scripture and determined that that particular word or phrase violates some principle, or two, because our society and culture has declared that a certain word is a bad word. And guys, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we're going to talk about that. If our society says a word is bad, we probably shouldn't say it. We're going to talk about that as one of our principles. But we just have to come to grips with this foundation. The Bible never once gives us a list of bad words, and it never even once tells us that even a particular single word is bad just because that word is bad. Instead, we need to take a look at some principles that the Bible presents to us and consider what kind of words and language we need to remove and what kind of words and language we need to have. And so we're going to take a look at seven principles. The very first one is that there should be no corrupting talk. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, the Scripture says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We as Christians are supposed to speak words that build others up. Now, in this context, it is not just talking about spiritual edification. He's not saying that the only thing we're ever allowed to talk about is things that teach people about the doctrine of Christ. That's not the point. The idea, though, is that we are supposed to be people who build up, not tear down. That's what that corrupting means, the tearing down. It rocks. 
It tears down, it breaks down. Instead of saying things that tear down and break down, we're supposed to be saying things that lift up and build up. You know what this says? This doesn't give us a list of magic words, but I tell you, berating speech, belittling speech, name-calling, shaming speech, all that type of speech, whether it's some magic word that people say is bad or not, Christ says is foul in the mouth of a Christian. We're not supposed to use corrupting speech. We're supposed to use edifying speech and speech that builds others up. Making fun of people. That's just not something that we're supposed to be doing because Christians are supposed to lift up and build up. Now, listen, I'm not saying that if, if you have some fun and it's all in good fun and everybody understands that, that that's wrong. But the idea of making fun and putting people down, we need to be careful with that because we're hurting people and we don't even know it. And Christ says we need to take care with that. Corrupting speech should not be a part of what we do. That's foul in the Christian's mouth. The second principle I'd like to share with you is that we should have no careless words. In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We're going to give account for our careless words. Your translation may say idle. This is actually kind of difficult to figure out exactly what's being talked about here. We, when we think about idle words, we, we may struggle trying to figure out exactly what that means. But the word here means lazy. And I think the English Standard Version really hits it on the head when it talks about careless. When, when we're speaking lazily or idly, it means we're not working on our speech. We're not giving thought to our speech. We're just saying whatever comes to mind. And so it is without care. We could say thoughtless speech. Let me ask you, have you ever been in a fight with somebody and you blurted something out in the meeting and said, I, I don't mean that. That's not what I think. I, I wasn't thinking. You ever said that? I said that without thinking. That's what this is talking about. Careless words. Now, again, this doesn't give us a magic list of bad words, but it provides a principle that we need to understand. Words that are spoken without thought, no matter what our society thinks about them, thoughtless, careless, idle words, it says that we're going to be judged for those. And so we as Christians, we need to give thought to what we're going to say. This does matter because we will give account for our words. The third thing I hope you'll recognize is that we should have no irreverent or profane speech. Turn over to 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, we're going to read a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Some translations, instead of irreverent, say profane. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble or profane babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And then in chapter 2 and verse 6, excuse me, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Avoid irreverent or profane babble. Now, in our modern world, the, the word profanity, we typically use that to mean just anything that we would call a cuss word or a swear word or a bad word. But profanity actually in the Bible has a little bit stricter meaning. It means to take something that is holy and treat it irreverently, to treat it lightly or basely or vulgarly. It's, not, it's to not treat it with the reverence that it deserves. Now, I understand that as you take a look at these three passages, that what he's talking about is teaching error. 
He's talking about being irreverent and not teaching what God wants us to teach. And, and that certainly is speech that we should avoid. But I think it also includes some of the words and phrases. Let's face it. This is going to include taking God's name in vain. Shouldn't we treat God's name with holiness? We sang the song a few moments ago, Alleluia, praising God. We need to say that with reverence. That's not something we should just toss lightly about, like we might say Eureka or I'm excited. If we're going to say God's name, we need to speak it with holiness and reverence. But God's name is not the only thing. Think about heaven. If we're going to treat God's holy things with holiness, are we going to say things lightly like for heaven's sake or my heavens, the way some folks in the world do? You guys, we need to think about that. We're supposed to treat holy things with holiness. And we're to remove profane speech, taking that which is holy and treating it with irreverence, treating it lightly. We need to remove that from our speech. That's foul in the mouth of a Christian. The fourth thing I hope that you'll recognize, and I know we're moving quickly, but it says the Bible demonstrates that there should be no cursing. Now, when I say no cursing, I have to tell you this does not equal the same thing as no cussing. This isn't saying no cuss words. In the Bible, when it talked about cursing, it specifically referred to the concept of cursing someone, calling God's damnation down upon them, or some other type of condemnation. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 14, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 14, the Bible there says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In James chapter 3, Verses 9 and 10. Here he's talking about sins of the tongue. And in James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, James talked about the tongue. He said, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Yes, we are to warn people about the curses that God promises if they don't live to Him. But it is not our job to curse people. Our job is to bless people. And so, if we're telling someone, damn you, we're cursing them. If we tell someone that they should go to hell, we're cursing them. That's not our job. The Scripture says that kind of cursing shouldn't come out of our mouths and our lips. And I hope that you're as uncomfortable that I just said those things as I did. You know, the fact is that we shouldn't be talking like that. But you know what? Again, it's not this magic word concept. We're not supposed to be cursing men. Whether we're using those magic words that society says are wrong, or we might say, as was known in centuries past, I don't think anybody says it much today, but in centuries past they might say, a pox upon you. Which actually was trying, you know, this was actually pretty surprising. I found it this week. That was actually trying to curse somebody with syphilis. I don't know if you knew that. But that's exactly what you were saying. A pox upon you. We're not supposed to be cursing people. Whether it's with those magic words or not, we're supposed to be offering a blessing, not a cursing. A curse is foul in the mouth of a Christian. The fifth principle that I hope we would recognize is that there should be no filthy, foolish, or crude speech. Look in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4, the Scripture there says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. For the longest time I looked at this passage, 
as if it was telling us that there were three different kinds of speech. However, as I take a look at the, that aren't, that's not allowed, but as I look at the context, I think Paul here is rather simply emphasizing, by using that figure of speech that we've learned about in some of our Bible classes, parallelism. He's using this, this, using these three different terms that really aren't supposed to be seen as three majorly different things, but really all describing the same thing. When we look in the context, notice in verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, this is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. When you take a look at the context, it seems that what Paul is talking about is not three different kinds of speech, but essentially one thing, and that is speaking lightly about sin, specifically in the context about sexual immorality. This is not something that we should joke about. These jokes that the comedians today use as they, as they joke about sex and sexual immorality, this shouldn't be funny to us, and we certainly shouldn't be passing that along. Instead of joking and laughing and treating those things lightly, we should be exposing the error of that kind of activity. Certainly, this is going to conclude some base, include some base and vulgar words that our society has for the act of sex. But it's even beyond that. In the way we talk about sex, even between a husband and wife, and the way we talk about sexual immorality, that should just not be something that we treat lightly but rather we should hold God's truth on that matter in awe and speak of it with reverence and not the crude, dirty jokes that we often hear and that we think are so funny, especially in adolescence that sometimes we don't ever grow out of. That's what Paul says, foolishness, filthiness, crude joking. That shouldn't be a part of what we do as Christians. The sixth principle is that there should be no malicious words. If you just back up a little bit in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. We need to remove malicious words that come from bitterness and wrath and anger. That word for clamor is the idea of just, of just yelling. It doesn't matter what words you say. Listen, I, I violate that. I don't say the bad words. Does that make it okay if I'm yelling at my wife? Just because I didn't say the bad words? No, it says that those kind of things need to be removed from our language, from our mouths, from our... That's foul in the mouth of a Christian. Words of malice, words that are intended to harm and hurt others. We need to remove that. I just want to make a comment here about this, and it'll kind of show why we can't have the magic list of words. You know, in our society, we are told that the word for female dog is just not allowed. That's inappropriate. And definitely, if we're going to use that as an attack on somebody to call them that name, that is wrong. We shouldn't do that. But, but let me ask you, what about the word for female horse or female cow? 
Is it any less malicious to be in a fight with somebody and call them a nag or a heifer? I mean, guys, come on, just because it's not on that magic word list doesn't mean that we're not violating the principle that God teaches. I think, sadly, we've allowed our culture to teach us too much about language and not God's principles. You see why it's practically impossible for us just to say that here's the list of words you can't ever say? And the reality is there are scenarios where all those words might be okay, but there are other scenarios where they're not. And if we mean them with malicious intent, that's foul in the mouth of a Christian. And we just need to recognize that. The final principle that I'd like to share with you is the fact that we need to speak honorably before men. I'd like for you to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. Now, this principle, this principle... It's a little bit different from the others, and I recognize that. In fact, the passage that I'm having you turn to is actually not about language. Well, let's just go ahead and read it. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 20 and 21, Paul is talking about the gift that they're taking from the churches to Judea because of the famine. And he's, talking, he's laying out the plan for how they're going to get that fund to the Jerusalem saints. And it says, We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. Here's the point that we need to understand. I think that there are some words that if we tried really hard to say that the Bible condemns them, we would just fall short. We just couldn't do it. But our society says that they're bad words. That they're words that people who are moral and upright just don't say. And what this principle points out is that we need to strive to live honorably before men. Paul was saying, I'm going above and beyond the call of duty. God hasn't demanded that we get this money to Jerusalem in this way, but we want to make sure that even men cannot accuse us of anything. Sometimes Christians have this idea, well, if you just can't find a Bible verse, you can't say anything about this. No, the Bible says we're supposed to live honorably in the sight of men. And if there are words that our society and our culture declare are bad words, that people of purity and morality just don't say, we as Christians must not open ourselves up to accusation and say those words. We need to remove those because God wants us to be honorable not just in His sight, but also in the sight of men. We need to be honorable. Now, I recognize as we take a look at these principles that that doesn't give us the list of magic words that you may have been hoping. I've always wondered if I'm allowed to say this word. I'm not going to say that for you. You need to look at these principles and decide, does that word fit? But before we close, I'd like to talk just a few moments about the concept of euphemisms. Ever since I became a Christian as a teenager, left the Baptist church, came into Christ church, I've heard about euphemisms. And I've heard just an amazing variety of things from the extreme that says that any euphemism is bad. Christians ought never use any euphemism because that's just as bad as cussing. All the way over to, you know, the Bible never says anything about euphemism, so Christians don't have to worry about it. And I think that both of those extremes are mistaken. And I just want to share with you what I think are some principles that we need to live by. First of all, what is a euphemism? Some of you say, I've never even heard of that word. What on earth is that? A euphemism, the substitution of a mild, indirect, or vague expression for one thought to be, for one thought to be offensively harsh or blunt. That is, the substitution of a mild, indirect, or vague expression 
or one thought to be offensively harsh or blunt. So in other words, here's this word or this phrase that we think is offensive or harsh or blunt. We're not going to say it. Instead, we're going to say this one that's a little bit more mild and won't be quite so offensive. That's why we often let folks know the restroom is out there because we don't want to tell them what actually goes on in there because that would be offensive in polite society. So we have a euphemism for it. We call it the restroom. Okay, that's a euphemism. A mild, inoffensive phrase so that we don't have to use the harsh phrase. I've just got three things that I want to share with you about this. And, and then as I'm doing really with the entire lesson, I'm going to let you decide. Uh, we can talk about it on our personal level, that's fine, but I'm not going to make any laws here about what words you can and cannot say. I'd love to talk with you about it personally if you'd like. But the first thing I want to share with you is we cannot make blanket statements against euphemisms. We just can't do it. And I've heard it. I've heard it from pulpits. And guys, all that does is demonstrate an ignorance of what euphemisms really are. If we're going to make some blanket statement that says, oh, all euphemisms, that's just like touching, we're just wrong about that. The fact is the Bible uses euphemisms. For instance, in 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 3, as it talks about Saul coming to the cave where David was hiding, it says, and he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went to relieve himself. Now, if you have the King James, it says, cover his feet. The Hebrew literally says, cover his feet. The Hebrew writer there used the euphemism because he didn't want to say that Saul went into the cave to defecate. And y'all didn't want to hear me say that, did you? We would rather hear, cover his feet. You know, it's interesting, the English standard writers who said relieve himself, they kind of knew that we probably wouldn't have any idea what this euphemism means, so they wanted to say something else. But notice they replaced it with another euphemism. He went in to relieve himself. Secondly, the thing that we need to recognize, even folks who have made these extreme statements and say all euphemisms are just bad, they use them, and in fact, appall their usage sometimes. Have you ever heard somebody talk about some fella, and he says, well, you know, he was talking, and he used a four-letter word. You ever heard somebody say that? Four-letter word. You know, that's a euphemism. That's a replacement. That is a mild expression so we can get the idea across about what was said, and we applaud the guy who does that because we with sensitive ears didn't want to hear what four-letter word he used. But it gets the idea across. It's a mild expression. So, you see, the point is not just, well, if it's a euphemism, it's bad, because sometimes we use them and applaud their use. And I'll tell you this, thirdly, if we're going to make a blanket statement that just says any and ever, if it's a euphemism, it's just wrong, you're just as bad as cussing, we're going to be in trouble. Because up until pretty recently in history, the words assemble and fellowship were considered euphemisms for sexual intercourse. See, we just have to be careful. We, we need to speak about this in an honest and educated way that actually treats these words with the definitions that they actually have. Now, having said that, while I'll say on the one hand that we can't just make a blanket statement that says any and all euphemisms are wrong, you do need to consider your intent. You need to consider your intent. You see, the problem is, far too often, we have that magic word mentality. That there's certain words that we're not allowed to say, and as long as we don't say those words, anything else we say is okay. Now, I think that each and every one of you would believe that I was violating the principle not to curse, as stated in Romans chapter 12 and verse 14, and in James chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, if I looked at somebody and said, God damn you. 
Would you not believe I was cursing them and violating that principle? But what if I looked at them and said, gosh darn you, am I any less Am I any less violating the principle that I'm not supposed to curse people? Isn't that my intent? Darn that kid. Isn't that my intent? A cursing? So what if it's not one of the magic words that our society says is bad? What's your intent when you use those little replacement words? And then finally, consider the insinuation. You see, a euphemism is a form of insinuation. It's not directly saying something. It's insinuating it or implying it. For instance, we often don't like to say so-and-so died, so we use the euphemism and say so-and-so passed away. We're not directly saying that they died. We're insinuating that they're dying. We're leading the folks to know that they died without directly saying that. Let me ask you a question. If you say... Oh my God! What have you just insinuated in the minds of your hearers? You can look that up in the dictionary; it'll flat say that that's that's a mild oath, euphemism for God's name. That's what it'll tell you. What what have you insinuated in the minds of your hearers? And, and we could say that about many of the words that sound similar to our curse words, like. Dolly and jeez. Dang. What are we insinuating in the minds of our hearers? Now, I know that this doesn't provide a list of words that we just can't say, but it does provide a principle that I hope we'll think about because careless words are not allowed. We need to give thought to what we say. And just because our society says something is okay doesn't mean that it is. God had some principles that we need to follow regarding our words. God said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36 that every careless word will be judged. Every thoughtless word will be judged. Are we thinking about the things that we're saying? Now, I just want to close by saying this, and that is that if in trying to explain what I believe the principles of the Bible are and sharing some illustrations with you that I thought long and hard about whether or not I should use that, if that offended you, I want to apologize to you. And if you feel like that was a violation of the propriety of this pulpit, feel free to talk to me about it, and I'll give consideration to that. But sometimes I think, especially in our society today, it's hard to talk about some of these things without just having to be very clear. And I tried to maintain the propriety of what we're doing here while doing that. But I tell you what, we need to give thought to what we say. I know that what I've said is probably not along the lines, as I mentioned, of the traditional way you've heard this lesson presented. And as I point out at every question and answer lesson, I don't think I have all the answers. But I do believe the Bible does. As I said, I do believe 100% that what I've shared with you is exactly the truth. But if you think I missed something, I'd be happy to talk with you sometime about it. I'd be happy for you to share with me other biblical principles that perhaps I missed. But I hope that above all, that what's happened today is you've learned some principles that will help you surrender your speech to God. Recognize that God needs to be in control of your tongue. 
and make sure that we keep our speech reverent and dignified and godly. I hope this lesson was beneficial to you. Most of all, I hope it glorified God. Let's remember the seven principles we learned for godly speech. Principle number one, no corrupting talk. Principle number two, no careless words. Principle number three, no irreverent or profane speech. Principle number four, no cursing others. Principle number five, no filthy, foolish, or crude speaking. Principle number six, no malicious words. Principle number seven, speak honorably in the sight of all men. If you have any questions about this lesson or some spiritual need or prayer request, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to meet you face-to-face. Please join us for one of our assemblies or classes. You can find times and directions on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.